Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. I firmly believe that we all want to be happy, and many of us are constantly searching for ways to find that elusive secret to finding true happiness in life. In my private practice working as a licensed mental health therapist, many people ask me about tools and techniques they can employ to be happier, to be more content, better communicators, and better partners and parents. Mindfulness is one skill we can all benefit from. Mindfulness helps us to focus on the present, and doing so provides many other benefits emotionally and relationally. So today's guest has written a book called Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. Author Ora Nadrich explains how mindfulness keeps us present and aware. It provides a pathway to experiencing an expansiveness that gives us a feeling of oneness with the world. A daily mindfulness practice allows us to show up, she says, and experience all the moments of our lives as present, as accepting, and as real as we can be. Aura is also the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. She's a certified life coach and mindfulness teacher, specializing in transformational thinking, self-discovery, and mentoring new coaches as they develop their careers. I'm so excited to have Aura on the show to help us understand how we can find the way to be more present and mindful in our own lives. Thank you so much for joining me today on Perspectives, Aura. Hi, Vidisha. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. So I'd like to start by sort of asking you, how did you come to learn about mindfulness? How did that appear in your life? (laughs) You know, it's interesting about mindfulness because it's very much, you know, seeping into the mainstream today, which is, I think, very exciting. The people are becoming more aware of the usage of a skill, a quality that is inherent in all of us, but that we don't necessarily use or strengthen and develop as much as we can to benefit from it greatly. I think I've been a mindful person for as long as I can remember. I think even as a child, I was very contemplative and I was very aware. Do you know, I I say that I was the type of kid that loved to sit in a long field, you know, (laughs) this, this field of grass, if you will, and look up at the sky and watch the clouds moving across it. Well, that is the true essence of mindfulness because mindfulness is really being in the present moment with total awareness. Now, that's very easy to do as a child. Children, sure. children are perhaps the most present because they are so engaged in what they're doing, they're not as caught up in the expectations that we are, meaning that they're not, for the most part, ruminating about the past or lamenting the past, I should say, and they're mm-hmm. really not thinking about the future. So, so really, I would say that I was practicing mindfulness unbeknownst to me. And it wasn't until many years later when I became a wellness practitioner and I became a life coach and I started to study mindfulness as an actual technique that mm-hmm. I began to apply that and teach my clients mindfulness and mindfulness meditation. So it's really interesting because I feel that children are actually quite whole and they're quite healthy and it it almost seems as if society and 
parents and adults sort of undo that over time. And so it's like we're trying to go back to relearn what we knew when we were when we were first born. Absolutely. And that's correct. I think that we are needing to either relearn or, you know, remember. I love what uh, the Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh says is, is coming back home again right. to who we are, do you know? And we need those reminders. We need those those skill sets, if you will. And mindfulness is such a beautiful skill that each and every one of us can use. And so do you think and you may have answered this already, I'm not sure. Do you think we're born with that mindfulness? I mean, do you think everybody has it or? I do. I think that although we we have come to know about mindfulness through many things, you know, namely, you know, talking about the Buddha, you know, the, the Buddha was mindful. The Buddha was in present time in order to experience the awakening of his enlightenment, do you know? And mm. I wasn't there with Buddha. I don't know what he did day to day. There's a lot of stories around Buddha meditating, Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree. Do you know, there are many theories around what journey did Buddha take to awaken, do you know? And I take that story of this enlightened being and I say, well, how can we apply that in, in the 21st century? How can, right. we t- how can we take those steps? How can we walk the path of awakening? And mindfulness really is the path, I believe, in which we can do that, that can help us become more aware, that can raise our awareness. And what raising and heightening our awareness does is it raises our consciousness, do you know? So right. there's, there's a lot of things today that are teaching us that. I think that, you know, uh, John Kabat-Zinn has done a wonderful thing in the wellness field about bringing MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, into the fold so that we can practice mindfulness to benefit our health. You know, there's so many studies that are being today done today. Right. So it's really catching on, and it's really something. When you ask me, I'm sorry, the question specifically, are we born with it? I believe we are. I believe that these are inherent qualities that we have, like kindness and compassion and thoughtfulness. We have it. I think we are a treasure trove of qualities. You know, yes, we have our hindrances, but we have our, these amazing qualities that we're not necessarily using on a daily basis, you know. So the key here is to bring this into the foreground of our lives and to practice this mindfulness out into the world. It's like the informal meditation. You don't, oh, you don't necessarily have to be sitting on a meditation pillow to practice mindfulness. I believe the key is to practice it in, or try, attempt to practice it in the m- moments of our life. Okay. So I love that treasure trove that you talk about that we're born with because I believe the same thing. I mean, I, I feel that babies, children are just, they have it all and we can learn so much from them. So I, I love that concept. And then I wanted to ask you also, because you talk about mindfulness and you talk about being present, are those two separate things or does one no, use it interchangeably? They're one and the same. I mean, even if you were to Google what is mindfulness, do you know? Mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness. That means that I am present of who I am in this moment and I'm 
I'm present enough to be able to be aware of what is happening around me. And it's like a, it's like a camera lens. The more present you are, the lens grows wider. And the more aware you are, you become more aware of even more. And there's that great quote by Thoreau. It's not what we look at that matters. It's what we see. Do you know, right. it's what, what are we really taking in in the moment? What are we really noticing? What are we really fully aware of? So it is that def- by definition, mindfulness is being in the present moment with awareness. Okay. So when I was reading your book, and I have to say, I really enjoyed reading your book. It uh, reminded me um, of what we need to be doing all the time, but being mindful all the time is is tough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you said that because I think that if we don't acknowledge that these are practices, it's like anything else. Do you know anything that you practice strengthens and anything that you really put your attention on becomes more known to you and more developed and like anything else, this does take practice. And that's why I really like to emphasize for people to go gently on themselves. If you're embarking on the path of mindfulness or you want to awaken more, or you just want to be a more conscious person, then that means that that's something that you want to strengthen and develop and utilize daily. It's very difficult to be present in every single moment of our lives. You know, somebody once said to me with such an exasperated voice, she said, oh, Aura, it's just so hard to be aware all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I laughed because I was like, you are so correct. However, the more effort we make, the more aware we are. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is that we're extremely distracted more now than ever before. We are Mm -hmm. all on social media. We're all on our gadgets and devices. We're running from pillar to post. We have so much to do. We're not monks living on a mountaintop top meditating all day do you know we are doing the best we can and I really want to emphasize that because I believe that mindfulness is a practice okay and I really respect that practice and I like to implement that into my daily life as much as I possibly can so how do you implement it into your daily life so personally speaking You know, what I like to say is my morning awakening jumpstarts the rest of my day. And I'm like everybody else. I'm a very busy person. And the tendency is to wake up in the morning and to jump out of bed and get on with our day. And I really like to take a couple of minutes. And that's, again, what I like to emphasize, that these sometimes, these practices take as little as a couple of minutes. And what it is, is I feel it connects what I talk about in Live True, connect to self the inner core of our being it like it takes our spiritual pulse if you will and so what I like to do is when I wake up in the morning I I very much like to um, work with dreams and I you can't remember every single dream I think that if I jump out of bed quickly I don't really get the benefit of what my what was my unconscious trying to tell me during my sleep state now I know people might be listening to this and going yeah right like I really have time to you know lay around in my bed and try and be (laughs) try and be a dream catcher do you know I get it but what I really would like to say is even for a couple of minutes if it's waking up opening your eyes and being in gratitude that you're alive one more day, 
you know, and I like to sometimes do almost like a awakening meditation, which is putting my hands on my chest, connecting to my breath, taking a couple of deep breaths in and out, which you would really do in a sitting meditation. Right. But, if, but if I start my day like that and I get out of bed connecting to self, which is, again, what I really talk about throughout Live True is about checking in. We need to check in with ourselves, you know, to be able to connect to the core of our being and then be able to I believe be in a state of gratitude and therefore we can go out into our day and be present because right. we because we, we've done that. At least that works for me. Now, I just want to add to that that you're going to have moments in the day which, which is going to take you out of that present moment connectedness to self. But the more we practice that and the more we develop that, we will be able to return to that feeling, that feeling of, oh, I connected to myself. Oh, I connected to my breath. Oh, I acknowledged a moment of gratitude. You know, and this becomes like our little toolkit throughout the day, I feel. So it's it's almost like developing a muscle because you're going to keep it's it's not that you need to be in this state 24 7 i mean ideally maybe it is. yes it, but it, 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 it's exactly correct in that this becomes really our arsenal it becomes our toolkit and these are things that are in our toolkit you know and everybody has different things that they say work for them i feel that the one thing that we have that is so golden and such a gift and that's called our breath And that is with us no matter where we go and no matter what we're doing. And it doesn't cost us anything. So even when we're under pressure, you know, you're about to go into a business meeting. You're in a challenging confrontation with somebody. You're in your car and somebody just cut you off. Do you know, there are a lot of things that we can do, you know, with the awareness of, you know, my work is very much about transformational thinking and be aware of the thoughts that are occupying your mind before you act. But Mm -hmm. that, you know, connecting, like I said, going within and connecting to the breath is one key tool that is so useful that you can call upon at any given moment in your day. Well, and it's interesting you say that because I frequently will... Um, assign homework to the people I work with and it is often about just stop every few hours set a timer if you have to but just check in and see are you breathing because it's amazing how many times throughout the day all of us and I don't really think there's an exception um, forget to breathe Right. They, they, we're breathing no matter what, meaning I believe that it gives you an awareness of that you are breathing. You know, we're, we're breathing, but we, we take a lot of that for granted. And again, where mindfulness becomes, comes, so, you know, comes in so handy is that by giving us the awareness of the breath, we then have an appreciation for the breath. Right. Well, and when I say we, to make sure we're still breathing, it's, I find people take shallow breaths. Yes, this is true. Or often I have, um, especially with the clients who are anxious or stressed, they find themselves holding their breath. And so with the anxiety or the stress, that moment is a moment where they're holding their breath and just being able to go back, recognize that and start breathing again, even not getting to the point of being mindful that does help. So the, the right. breath obviously has a key role here yes. um, 
in this mindfulness. It does. I think even taking a couple of deep breaths in and out, which you're more inclined to do in a sitting meditation, knowing right. that you knowing that you could do that at any given moment in your day, you know, does really help for, you know, not having shallow breaths. It deepens the breath. And then what I feel a lot of people express is they start to feel more relaxed. Yes, I would agree with you. I've noticed that as well, that um, when somebody will take in a deeper breath and will focus on on their breathing, uh, it slows down their system and brings them to a place of calm. So we have about a minute left in the segment, and I wanted to touch on something you mentioned about the gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, how does the gratitude tie in with mindfulness? Gratitude is an, an awareness. It's an awareness. It's having an appreciation. And, and I bring up gratitude because it's one thing to be aware of that I think by having an awareness that we are grateful for being alive, it enriches our life. Do you know? We yeah. are, again, we're so busy running and doing and going that we're not so much in the beingness of ourselves. And I believe that gratitude brings us closer to an appreciation of being alive and being in whatever situation we're in and whoever we're in it with, and that it makes us more thankful and grateful, I believe, for being alive. That's a wonderful, wonderful explanation. Thank you. So we're going to go to a short commercial break. Please stay tuned. We're talking to Aura Nadrich about mindfulness and the importance of being present in every moment. If you have questions, you can email me, Dr. Vidisha Patel at drvforkids at yahoo.com. And we will be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you stopped to think seriously about hypnosis? Hypnosis can set you on your way to better health, can free you from anxiety, phobias, and so much more. Join host Inez Simpson for Hypnosis Everywhere, Inez Simpson and the Simpson Protocol. This show is for anyone from the experienced hypnotist practitioner to the merely curious. Inez Simpson offers tools and insights from the whole world of hypnosis with guests and open discussions. Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives 
with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm here in conversation with Aura Nadrich, founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and author of Live True, a Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. So, Aura, before the break, we were touching on gratitude and its role with mindfulness. And I now, did you, was there anything else you wanted to add about gratitude or Shall we move on to something else? (laughs) I think I explained what, you know, what I feel gratitude really does, uh, gives us an awareness of of having an appreciation for being alive. And just even little gratitude breaks here and there um, really are helpful, do you know? Okay, wonderful. So I was going to ask you why you think it's important to stop, you say, to stop in the day's busyness and allow for these interludes of present moment. What? Why is that so important, do you think? Because we are so caught up in the doing. Do you know, again, what I mentioned earlier about getting up first thing in the morning and we get on with our day. And for the most part, you know, people are super busy and they don't pause. You know, they don't take that deep breath in and out. Uh, It's not till later on in the day or oftentimes when people feel stressed You know, people will share with me all the time that they suddenly feel it in their body. You know, they're so busy doing that they don't take the time to maybe tend to the self, which might mean self-care, you know, and there are many ways in which we can do self-care, be it a walk on the beach, do you know, a walk in the park, um, a massage, a bath. There are a lot of things we can do to support our self-care. So, you know, taking those breaks, those pauses are really important. Again, they just take a minute or two. Um, I am very supportive and encouraging of people taking those couple of minute breaks because as a meditation teacher, I've come upon so many people that will say they don't have time to meditate. And some of them, well, actually many of them admit to me that they don't want to meditate or they're not comfortable meditating. And not everybody has the luxury of etching out 20 to 45 minutes uh, once a day or twice a day in their life to meditate. So these pauses, these breaks, if you will, you could even do it at work. You can do it. I mean, I have something in my book called Life Gazing. And the way in which I created Life Gazing is that I was sitting at a red light during traffic. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say it's interesting with stoplights because what do they do? They, they force us to stop. Right. You know, we don't have a choice. There, it's making a stop. And I got very sort of, um, I really took a deep dive into that one day. I thought it's so interesting that even at a red light, and I'm here in Los Angeles, which there's a tremendous amount of traffic and people are running around and super busy in their cars and jumping out of their cars to go into these coffee shops, order, <laughs> order their frappuccinos, jump right back in their car and boom, off they go. And it's interesting that in order to create you know, order in chaos, if you will, traffic would be completely chaotic and there would be nothing but mayhem if there there weren't stoplights and stop signs, you know. So it was during that red light that I thought, well, 
let me be really present in this moment or for however long a red light lasts. And I started to uh, watch the people that were crossing the street. And it was a wonderful exercise. And what it did is allow me to implement mindfulness, which is, again, being in the present moment with total awareness. And you can add to that non-judgment and acceptance so that I was then able to just watch people crossing the street and just observe them. Oh, here's a woman who's crossing the street. Oh, she has twins in a stroller. Here's a man who's running across the street with his coffee in his briefcase. Wonder where he's running to. Do you know, it, it, this allowed me to again be present. So that was my pause. And I was using a red light to add to the pause, if you will. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It was like a pause on top of a pause. And so you can do that again, sitting at your desk, you know, when you're working, a pause might be uh, just again, as we discussed, take a couple of deep breaths in and out or do something called noting, which is something that is um, added in a meditation or mm-hmm. in a mindfulness practice where you become the observer or note what you're seeing around you. Oh, my coworker looks really tired and stressed. <laughs> oh, the coffee pot is almost empty. You know, it, noting is a pause. These types of pauses allow us to get centered. They allow us to almost recalibrate, to realign ourselves. And these are, again, such beneficial tools. Well, you read my mind because I was going to ask you about life gazing. So thank you for for talking about it. I think I think that's a great idea. And this concept of using the stoplight, I, I love that as well. And I find that stoplights are a great time to just stop. And, and we're and and reflect. we and you know what? Oftentimes people are really impatient with stop signs. It's such a metaphor mm-hmm. in that all they're doing is waiting for that light to turn green. And that's why oftentimes you'll see in traffic people bolt out from that right. red light and they're like boom, right into the green light, do you know, with, with complete speed, if you will. So you see a lot of people speeding on the road because they're terribly impatient. Yes. And it's um because they they're not taking these moments. So I guess the message is take every moment you can probably um, whenever you have it available. Right. Instead of having such an aversion to pausing, I mean, think about it. You know, a lot of people have an aversion to stopping. They have an aversion to pausing. You know, what's everybody in such a hurry about? You know, I I respect the fact that we're busy and I respect the fact that we are all in our respective lives and work and fields and professions. But I think that it really starts to become an excuse when we don't take a couple of minutes just to pause, just to life gaze, which I, I go in, as you know, in the book, I really describe that. I think life gazing is a great thing to do because you can take these moments and look at something and be rewarded by what you're gazing at, do you know, because it's beautiful. Yes, and often I think in in the rush, whether you're rushing from place A to B or you're rushing in your thoughts, you miss so much and you miss so much of what is right in front of you, whether if it's a parent, I'm thinking of my practice, if it's a parent talking to a child and the parent is in a rush, they probably 
could miss the message that the child is trying to give them or what, you know, what they're trying to convey. And that can result in, in bigger problems. Absolutely. Um, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because I talk about that in something called mindfulness repair. And I mentioned that in Live True as well, because, you know, mindfulness is a great practice to keep us in the present moment with awareness, Mm -hmm. but it also helps us when we're about to slip out of a moment. It reminds us. Sometimes it gives us a gentle reminder. Sometimes it gives us what I say, a little push, a little nudge, nudge, and sometimes it gives us a very big shove. (laughs) It's like, hello, you are so out of the moment right now. Look how rude you just were. Or look how you said goodbye to your loved one rushing out the door with your croissant in your mouth uh, and not even making eye contact. Do you know, so I talk about the mindfulness repair is really important because when we start to have an awareness of when we weren't mindful, mm-hmm. we can then go back and maybe say to a child, our child, a loved one, sorry, I was so rushed this morning when I was leaving the house. Uh, I was really in a hurry to get to my meeting and I realized I didn't really connect with you or I didn't really say, you know, goodbye to you in a loving, present way. And you'd be amazed at how our loved ones would appreciate that. Now, we can't always do that. And I get that. But what mindfulness repair, what I talk about in Live True is that we become aware. That's also note to self. Ah, I was really hurried when I left the house today. Um, I want to circle back to my loved one later and tell them that I'm sorry I wasn't as present with them as I could have been. And, you know, you speak about children. I have two children myself. I have two grown men, really, in the, <laughs> in the world. My baby is 19 years old. And I remember one time I was talking to him and I was needing to get somewhere. I was, you know, I was on the clock and I was talking to him and I was aware that I wanted to communicate something, but that I needed to then leave the house and go to a, go to a meeting. And I remember literally turning around in his room and walking out and saying, you know, or that, that was a little hurried. So I Mm -hmm. caught my mindfulness repair really fast. Now that's not always the case. Okay. I turned, I turned around and I went back into his room and I said, you know, hey, I'm sorry that I was, I, I think I sounded a little rushed and what I was saying to you, what I wanted to say is this. And he was appreciative. I mean, you know, I wasn't rude to him. I was just hurried. And I, right. was able, I was able to go back and say to him, you know, in case this didn't come across, this is what I wanted to say. And I think what I had to say was heard better because I was able to explain it a little further do you know? I, I do. And I find also that, especially in this day and age with texting and social media and the immediacy of everyone's comments and responses, that if you take the time, if somebody is asking you a question via text, for example, if, you, if you're in a hurry, there's this pressure to, you need to respond because they text you. But if you actually take a moment and say, I'm about to go to a meeting, I'll respond to you when I'm, you know, when I'm done, and it'll be about an hour. It feels it feels better, because it releases pressure from you who's trying to answer this question. But I've come to see and realize that the person who you're, who has asked the question is also appreciative, 
just like your son was, because you're not rushing an answer. It could be an inaccurate answer if you do rush. Um, it yes. could come out the wrong way. Yes. Any multitude of things could happen. I, um, yes, that's absolutely correct. And I think we do all have a tendency to communicate quickly because we can communicate so fast via text today. I mean, <laughs> okay, okay has been reduced to K, the letter right. K. <laughs> <laughs> that, that says a lot, you know, and I think taking that, you know, sometimes people feel like, oh, it's too long to text that. But, you know, you can say something like, you know, unable to text now, we'll call later or text more later. You know, uh, giving people the information can help them understand why your text might be so short and curt and sometimes could even come across rude. Do you know? Right. Yes. Well, there's there's no emotion in in texting and that is part of the problem and I think that's that's one of um it's the way our society is moving and you talk about this people rushing and doing too many things and I actually feel that it's important all of us are busy but I think it's important for all of us to reassess where we are from time to time and determine yes. how busy we really need to be because I don't know how effective you can be if you are not being mindful in whatever it is you're doing. And isn't it better to do two things mindfully than 10 things without really being present? Absolutely. I I think we need mindfulness now more than ever. We're very challenged and we're very pressured and we're very stressed. So, you know, this is, this is an incredible, I feel invaluable tool and it's easy to apply it's just, you know, it's, it takes practice, but it's something that we have at our, you know, at our fingertips and we just need to use it. So in Live True, you talk about, you start out by talking about time and the present, of course, with mindfulness, but you also talk about dealing with the past and dealing with the future. And I'd like to talk a little bit about that right now because it, it is hard. I find clients when they stop and take that break to try and be mindful, thoughts of things that happened before pop into their head or worries about what's coming up next pop into their head. So how do you work with that? You know, I, I say that, you know, we have to be aware of where, where our thoughts are and where they're going and where they're leading us and sometimes where they're dom- how they're dominating us. And, you know, as a practitioner, that people come to us and they share what they're feeling and what they're thinking. And I don't encourage anybody to stave off or push away what they're thinking. It's very real. And even if it's a feeling that they have based on something that happened in the past, do you know, what I like to say is that if we give people the information that the past has come and gone and what remains of it is the memory, and oftentimes we're at the effect of the memory of things that happen from the past, or as I say, you know, anxiety and the anxiousness that we feel is an anticipation of what has yet to come. Do you know? So that's very real for people. Where mindfulness helps us is to have an awareness of where we are really being taken over by the thoughts that keep perpetuating the concern, the worry, or the sadness of time gone by or time yet to come. 
And this is very helpful. I believe that the mindfulness practice that people can have can help them be unstuck because oftentimes we get stuck in those two time frames. Again, the past, and I have something in Live True called, you know, are you living so much in the past that you're a past lamenter or you're so anxious about the future that you're what I call a future chaser? And what you're not doing the most is being a present experiencer do you know and that's for me a big aha moment that you know when I created that I was aware of yes our mind is going to wander our mind wanders I guess that study recently out of I believe Harvard that the mind wanders what maybe 49 to 50 percent of the time And, and if we do the math there that's extraordinary that our mind is oftentimes so busy wandering out of the time frame that is most real and that is in the present. Right. So I'm going to just ask you to hold off for uh, just a few minutes because we're going to head for a short commercial break and I want to come back to this. So don't go away. We'll be right back to talk some more about how we can live an authentic life through the practice of mindfulness. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel talking with Aura Nadrich on Perspectives. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to the last segment of our show today. You're listening to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel. Please get in touch with me via email at drv4kids at yahoo.com if you have any questions or comments. 
I'm here with Aura Nadrich, founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking and author of Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. So Aura, I want to have you uh, complete those thoughts because I think they're really important about the past and the future. I find that that's a major stumbling block for people that I work with when they are trying out mindfulness or meditation. So... Absolutely. And, you know, as I said earlier, our mind wanders to a very high, you know, percentage, actually, you know, that it wanders, what, 48 to 50 percent of the time. That means that our mind is going elsewhere and having a harder time staying present with what is. And so we need to look at that. We, we need to look at, like, why is our mind going to those two, what I call two time frames? One is the past, which is come and gone. And one is, the other is the the future, which isn't here yet. And, you know, the reason for that a lot of the times is that if we're having a difficult time in the present, we obviously want to escape it. And if we don't feel, something like even like feeling like the present isn't enough, that another moment is going to be better, which is a future moment that isn't here yet, or we're reminiscing and lamenting about, oh, you know, when I was 18, my life was so much better and I was able to do this or I looked like this and things came more easily for me. You know, uh, we do that. I think there is a tendency for, again, for our mind to wander. Well, how can we help that? Mindfulness helps us be aware of that our mind is wandering. And it can catch us by saying, you know, there I go again. I'm, I'm lamenting about what once was. If I have the awareness that the past no longer exists and that I'm taking myself out of a moment that matters a lot, which is the present, I'm going to waste my present moment by not being really appreciative of it. And then that goes back to gratitude. Or if I'm so busy, anxious about what might come, which I have no control over. I mean, yes, we can control, you know, by planning our events. And I talk about that in Live True, about the future. The future (laughs) comes as it will, you know. I mean, we can plan up the yin-yang about the future, and we do plan accordingly. But as we know that there are going to be things that happen to us that are unexpected, so how can we be mindful of that? And I have found that in my practice, a lot of people like to stay stuck, it's familiar to them. Right. They, they stay stuck in, you know, complaining about the past, which is gone. And I try and help them by having an awareness of where they keep themselves stuck and encouraging them to be in the present with an awareness of, can you be in this moment right now? Can you be appreciative of the fact, again, going back to that you're alive in this moment? This is a new moment for you. This is a moment that is right now, it has never been before, and it will never come again. So by having the awareness of a present moment, what I find when I work with people, they start to really feel that. Like, yes, I'm present. And also what I want to say is that when you give people examples of when they are doing things in the present, doing things that please them, like eating something that that gives them pleasure, watching a sunset or a sunrise, you know, when we do things that are pleasurable, we are so present, we don't need to be told to do so. So that helps bring people into the awareness of this moment is enough. And 
Even if it's a difficult moment, let me be present in it so that I can be a good problem solver and move through it in the best way possible. Interesting. So it is it it actually goes back to the to therapeutic principles of going through things instead of avoiding them or um, overthinking them as well. Exactly. Uh, Exactly. And I think that it doesn't diminish what has happened. And I I emphasize that in Live True. I don't want to um, diminish or, you know, make somebody's experience from their past unimportant. Our past is important to us. And what we've experienced has happened to us. But how do we keep allowing for those past experience to impact the present? And for many people, they are choosing, whether consciously or not, to let the events or the moments or the traumas of their past impact the quality of their present. Well, I think that individuals are constantly analyzing the why of what the why of what is. And so I think there is this constant need to explain, well, I am this way today, or I spoke to you this way because of this experience that happened to me 15 years ago or as a child or something else. And so um, mindfulness sort of seems to break the cycle, actually. It it does. I believe it it breaks the monotony of it and it connects the dots, meaning that what I am thinking in this moment will affect how I feel now. And what I experienced in the past, I'm not experiencing in this moment right now. That has happened and that has come and gone. And what I'm really experiencing, be it in the sense memory or the memory, is what it made me feel like. And I'm reliving what it made me feel like in this moment. And I have meditations about that in Live True. I have a present moment memory meditation, which really takes the experiences of the past, again, not to diminish them and not to say that they're not important to us, but that we can create a new present memory right now. And so that we can, you know, whether it's through visualization or it's doing somatic work or whatever type of work that resonates for you so that you can allow for a present experience to be fresh and new for you and not be at the effect of a past feeling that you have had based on something that has happened to you in the past. Well, I think this would actually be a great moment if you could talk about how your book is structured and how people can use it because I love the fact that you talk about a topic and then you have an associated meditation so can you talk about how you set your book up and how you would want people to use it? Yes, thank you. And I did that because I don't really like to just bring people into an explanation of things and then these become intellectual concepts right. and that they're they're not having the experience, do you know? And mm-hmm. I and so I try to do that through my writing. And what I did is I created a meditation after each chapter, which really was taking the essence of that chapter, giving you some affirmations or mantras, and and taking that and being able to say those things to yourself so that they become positive reinforcements, if you will. Do you know something like feeling that this moment isn't enough, which is what I maybe discuss in the the 
chapter of present and how oftentimes why we leave a moment is because we think another moment is going to be enough. I'll then give you a meditation so that you can actually say something silently or out loud to yourself. This moment is enough. That's that's beautiful. And you have you have literally have one for every single uh, chapter in your book and they are beautiful meditations i encourage all our listeners to to try them out so thank you and i also i also want to add to that badisha that i have um meditations on the music apps now so all of these meditations that are in my book are now on audio and they're and they're to music and people have told me they're so soothing and so relaxing and you know even if you just want to listen to them do you know if you have some time to do so? I've gotten tremendous feedback that people have found them very helpful and very uh, calming. That's wonderful, and it, I think that would be a great tool for people to to seek out. Um, so, if I were to then ask you, how does one practice mindfulness in a very sort of bare bones way? I mean, if you can give instruction, I know yes, it's being present, but is there some is there more direction? Um, You know, what I want to say to whoever's listening is start with one thing a day. And, you know, one of the, I I would say the easiest way to do it is to start with something that actually gives you pleasure. You know, there's so many books today on mindful eating, mindful walking, mindful listening, (laughs) mindful relaxing. So, I just did a workshop that I do annually at my house called Living a Mindful Life. It's like a day retreat of meditation and yoga and sound bath and journaling. And I love to take the portion of that retreat, which is eating. And I have an an organic uh, chef that comes and cooks this divine meal, is that we all sit and really appreciate our meal. Do you know? So take one thing that you can do today and everybody eats and oftentimes we're even hurried in our eating that we're not even we're not even tasting our food fully and I want to go back to something I did a uh, blog called your morning cup of coffee can be your morning cup of tea or coffee can be your meditation let me let me start with that and it was a very popular blog that I wrote for the Huffington Post. And it occurred to me that so many people are drinking tea and coffee, right? Right. And they're, they're rushed while they're drinking it. So what I encourage people to do is to take a little bit of time, please try and find some time in your day, and sit with that cup of tea or coffee, whether it's in your morning or any given time in the day. And by sitting quietly with it and holding that cup, of tea or coffee in your hands and feeling the warmth of that cup and then bringing that cup to your lips and feeling the warmth of it on your lips. And with your very first taste of your tea or coffee, really be with what it tastes like and what does it feel like having the warmth of that tea or coffee go down your throat and what does that make you feel like to smell it and to taste it. Do you know, something like that is such a simple exercise, or it could be your meal. Don't chew quickly. Try and really chew your, your, you know, make your bites more slow and really taste the food or be aware. You know, I just recently had a pizza with my son and there were very big basil leaves on it. 
and I could really taste the basil. You know, that that is a very strong herb, do you know? So doing things like that, if you're somebody who walks, don't, don't walk talking on the phone. Try and walk and just be aware of what you're seeing. You know, look at the trees. Are they in bloom? Are there fruits hanging from the tree? What is the sound of the ground? Are you walking on leaves? Are the leaves crushing as you walk on them? Do you smell fresh, you know, mowed lawn as you're walking? Do you know, are you on the beach? Are you listening to the sounds of the waves? I could go on and on and on. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, and I love it and I'm reminded which I frequently am about um, growing up with my grandparents and some of the advice that they would give. And one of it is one of them, that piece of advice is really about food. And I have this memory of my grandfather always saying to us at the, at the dinner table was make sure you chew 32 times for everything you put in your mouth. (laughs) And of course we as children would try and do that for the fun of the game. But the point was it caused you to slow down and it caused you to become aware of what it was you were seeing and appreciate it. So, um, and you know what, that's a wonderful share. And that reminds me of the red light. Yeah. That some like why wait till things are told to us to do it or that we have to do it. We have to abide by the law and stop at a red light. And what a wonderful gift your grandfather gave you. How can we implement mindfulness by choosing to do so? Do you know? Yes. And so this is actually something I wanted to say that I've noticed was that when I was reading your book and talking to you today, it comes down to choices, doesn't it? So we, it's, it's that in each moment we make the choice. Are we going to focus on being here? Are we going to choose to focus on the past and not That's recognize right. that we're here right. or worry about the future. And um, Right. These, these are choices. These are choices. And I also want to bring up that I understand sometimes it's difficult to make those choices. You know, I love this quote. It's become my favorite quote by the French philosopher Pierre de Tellard de, Ch- Pierre Tellard de Chardin. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Right. And, it, and it's difficult having our human experiences. You know, again, I, I want to encourage us to be gentle on ourselves. I want us to know that this is a life journey and we're getting better at it. And mindfulness, which I really want to encourage people to implement into their lives, is there for you so that this life journey can be less difficult. And these are choices that we make. And when you make these choices to show up for your life in a more mindful way, the rewards are quite uh, beneficial, I have to say. They really are. You start to slow down at times when you can choose to do so. Right. And you start to appreciate things like tasting your food better, being a better listener, being a better communicator, being a better parent, a better friend, a better spouse, a better lover. Do you know it really increases who we are in our life and that really is the rippling effect that goes out into the world and I love that quote by Gandhi (laughs) be the change you wish to see in the world and mindfulness will help you do that well I think you've given a great gift to all of us in 
in your writing of this book, but I also want you to share a little bit about what other things you do and how our listeners can reach you. We have about a minute left if you want to um, share us share those uh, websites and just explain to us what else you do. Well, my website is oranadridge.com, and it's a great way to connect to me and to see all the things that I'm doing. And if you want to read some of my mindfulness articles, they're all there. They're all archived there. Uh, you can also order my book through there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I want to share is uh, some of the things that I'll be doing coming up. I'm going to be doing a book signing in Seattle at East, East West Bookstore and a workshop. And then come October 12th, I'll be doing a uh, workshop and a book signing at the Open Center. And just check in with me. Check out my website. It's There's a lot there. And I love hearing from people. I want to know how your mindfulness journey is going. Well, that's terrific. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aura. You have really um, explained this gift of mindfulness, and I hope that our listeners take it to heart and try it out for themselves. Thank you Um, so much for having me. And thank you to my listeners for joining us today on Perspectives. I've been talking to Aura Nadrich about her recent book, Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity. Be sure to check out her website and read her book. There are some great recommendations in there uh, about how to live in the present moment. So this is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host for Perspectives. I look forward to being back with you next week for another edition. So feel free to email me in the meantime with questions at drvforkids at yahoo.com. And until then, have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.